Today, I had an enlightening conversation with Nicole Walters. Nicole is a former top-selling corporate executive who quit her six-figure sales job to pursue her passion and build a multi-million dollar business, coaching fellow dreamers and entrepreneurs. She's an in-demand motivational speaker and the New York Times best-selling author of her memoir, Nothing Is Missing, a memoir of living boldly. Talking to Nicole today was like having a chat with a close friend. She is clearly passionate about teaching people how to own their power and trust they already have everything they need to succeed. Enjoy. Welcome to Let's Talk Love, the podcast that brings you real talk, fresh ideas, and expert insights every week. Our guests are the most trusted voices in love and relationships, and they're here for you with tools, information, and friendly advice to help you expand the ways you love, relate, and communicate. We tackle the big questions, not shying away from the complex, the messy, the awkward, and the joyful parts of relationships. I'm your host, Robin Ducharme. Now, let's talk love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Love. I'm so happy to be joined by author, entrepreneur, speaker, podcast host, Nicole Walters. New York, oh Times, New York Times bestseller. Yes, I know. You have no idea. I'm still adjusting to hearing that because it's so fresh, fresh. We're like, what, a week old, maybe? Yes. So when did you, when did you, you launch? Right now, we're recording this on October 25th. When did you launch your book? Yes. It was, the book came out 11 days ago, which it feels like a, a year, billions of years ago at this point. But it was 11 days ago, and I found out I was a bestseller on the 18th. So that was only five, six days ago. Crazy. I, I think you made a post where you were sitting in a bookstore. You must have been doing your book tour and somebody told you for the first time. That was great. Yes. That was, yes. that was a great I moment. I was like, my, my babies were there. It was just like yeah. beyond. I feel like I know you, Nicole, and you probably hear this so much because I listened to your book and I've listened, I've been listening to your podcast. I don't have a copy of it in paper, but that's okay. Because I think the audible version is so awesome because you really, I, I really just got such a sense of you and you're so honest and raw and it was it, like, it was an autobiography, but it was also full of these gems, like these lessons. Thank you. So, Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's neat because um, I do get to have that relationship with a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like Thanksgiving dinner is going to be so weird because the whole family read it. So now I'm like, well, hello, <laughs> like my my uh, fiance's family. So I'm like, you know, normally you get to sit down and, you know, you haven't talked about your childhood with your in-laws, but this is going to be a very interesting Thanksgiving. Wow. And there's just so many stories. So that's good. That is going to be great. It's just so vulnerable, which I think Thank you're you. inviting the listeners to be. Because you are so yeah. honest and authentic and vulnerable, that is such a, um, a gift that you're able to pass on to other people to be that way too. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, it's so generous. I, it's interesting because I get that a lot. Like, Nicole, you're so authentic. You're so vulnerable. You're so honest. And it's interesting because I don't think that a lot of people realize you can be honest even if you're not complete. You know, like if you're still in progress, you're still figuring yourself out, you still are learning from the things that have happened or you're evolving from who you were to who you want to be, you can still be vulnerable in the, in the moment that meets you. And that's what I really tried to do in this book. That's right. So tell us what the, what, what, it, what was your idea around writing this book? Why did you write it? And also the title is Nothing is Missing. 
So where did that title come from? And I think that's what you you were just kind of alluding to, right? It's like our journeys. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, um, you know, as people read the book, they'll see my evolution from, you know, being a child of first, a first generation child of immigrants uh, in the U.S. and kind of evolving and trying to figure out where do I fit in, in a very American experience with a very African home and background and then, you know, growing into the corporate world and trying to figure that out. And, you know, my first marriage and becoming a mother. And they're just, there are all these places where I think a lot of us can align and relate. But one thing that I think is pretty universal is we're often feeling like we're chasing the lack, whether that lack is more income or a different type of love or a different thing with our bodies. And so much of our life in a business is around filling that gap. And I realized that, you know, until I could fully embrace that nothing was actually missing within me and that I was really just looking to figure out kind of what I wanted and how I wanted to show up in this world, uh, that I would always have a little bit of sadness and displeasure and discontent and, you know, and and gosh, that wasn't worth it because if I already have it, then, then everything's good, you know? So this book is sort of taking people on that journey. Mm -hmm. And so you, um, you talk about, there's just so many stories. We can't go through them all, but we have to go through a few because people have to read the book to get, to get it, to get everything. But, uh, you know, there's just so many fascinating stories. Like the one about how, like you, you adopted three girls, three sisters. And Mm -hmm. can you tell us briefly about how, it's not a brief story, but how did you meet and how did this even happen? Yeah, no, sure. Sure. So, um, you know, this story is, out there. People can Google it or listen to my podcast, but essentially I adopted my three girls. Uh, their mother was panhandling, um, on the side of the street in Baltimore and I pulled over and, um, long story short, I found out she had three kids and I mentored them and supported them with food and things like that. But then she became incarcerated. So when that happened, I, um, you know, took custody of these three girls and, uh, once her mother, Uh, Once their mother was released, you know, it just became very clear that we kind of had to figure something else out because they had settled into a new norm and uh, we wanted to make sure they remained safe and healthy. And so through the years working with their mother, we figured it out. Um, But ultimately, I became their mother full time, the girls, all three of them. And uh, now I am a mom to a 12 year old, a 21 year old and a 24 year old. And it is a journey. (laughs) <laughs> it is a journey. That's the journey of parenting. Yours started out so oh. differently. Yeah. I think it's just, I, I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. And of course, it's not all butterflies and rainbows. It is, it, it has all the ups and downs. And one of the, one of the truisms that I learned and just was, it's just reiterated from your book and what you, how you talk, Nicole, is how life is so difficult. <laughs> It really is. Life is difficult. It is it is one of those things where people think that if you say life is difficult, that it's the same as saying life is bad or hard or not good. It's not. You know, I think the world is overwhelmingly good. I think that people are inherently yes. good. I absolutely think that uh, life is worth living, you know, and that it, it can be meaningful and wonderful. I also think that life is really hard, that um, there are just moments where you have to choose your hard because the options are between hard and hard, you know, not, not, and I think that this sort of uh, walking around with this idea that there's a good and bad, you know, there's sort of 
I have to always make the good choice. And I always have to do the good thing. It's like, no, we're evolving. You know, maybe in the moment, what you did with what you had was what you could do. And it was a type of hard you didn't really want, you know? And I think that that is far more valuable to our development as people, you know, and our evolution. It's also more grace-filled as we run into the the challenges. So yeah, life is difficult. It's the meeting and solving of problems. Yeah. And what, okay, okay, tell us about the parent, yeah, just go back to parenting, because you, you yeah. say something in the book that I was like, I would love you to explain the difference, because you'd say there's a difference between parenting and raising. Yes. So yes. can you explain yes. that to us, please, Nicole? Yes. And so I say all of this knowing I am not a parenting expert, you know, um, and I found out through my own errors, mm-hmm. you know, so one of the things that I thought I would be doing, first and foremost, it's worth saying um, in the book, I discuss how I am a frequent fixer, that I am a, you know, regular rescuer. You know, these are things I've had to work on myself with because I do like to help people, but coming from a place of wanting to fix and rescue all the time is from a place of trauma. And I've had to work on that. Now, with parenting, I've learned um, and that you can actually raise a lot of people in your life if you're not careful. You know, if you're inherently maternally inclined, you can raise yourself a good assistant. You can raise yourself a great husband. You can raise yourself a best friend. You can constantly be in a situation where you are trying to take people from where they are because you see the potential and support them into being what you think is their maximum potential. But the truth is that's really not always a healthy relationship, particularly if they need to do that for themselves. And parenting's kind of like that too. Parenting is so much guardrails and downloading info and um, providing resources, but it isn't every single decision. It isn't saving them from getting burned or affected or, or hardship, you know, and that's the difference. I think when you start thinking, you're just like raising, you're like, my job is to make sure that they're, that, you know, their life is good and they have everything and everything's perfect. And they, they don't feel, you know, any of the negative impacts of life when no parenting is really just like, look, this is what I've learned. You're going to learn new things. Some of it's going to work and some of it's not going to work, but I'm always here for you as support. And that's what I got, you know, and I, and I will make mistakes. Oh my gosh, my kids know. I apologize to them. They know I make mistakes, you know, and, and that's what parenting has evolved to for me as I've learned. And, um, and, and it's really what's serving me and I hope my kids most. Yes. But you know, and you, you share a lot of times when you had had conversations with your daughters at different times. And, um, I think one of the stories that I remember from your book is when you were going to, um, quit your job and start a new business. And you yeah. said to them, okay, I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm like, like, let's just say 85, 90% sure this is going to work. But if it doesn't, I want you to know that I'm terrified. I'm very scared. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do it, but I want you to know. And how do you feel about this? Right. Mm-hmm. And your daughters were like, well, are you still going to be there? Right? Are you That's are you right. still going to be oh, every time I hear it, I get that like gut punch, like, oh my sweet baby. Yes, but what that's all that? that our children I mean, th- really, they need that stability that we aren't going anywhere. Yeah. And you, yes, you know that presence. And even if it's bad. Yes. Like it's amazing because I don't know what happens. And I mean, uh, you know, you could probably speak to this better than I could, but when I tell you something happens to us as adults where we get so scared, you know, we get so scared of what 
of like making errors and making mistakes. And we just let that fear kind of dictate aspects of our lives. And kids just really don't come like that. Like, I mean, think about it. A baby literally will walk up to a cliff because they don't know a cliff is dangerous, you know, and just pursue it. And, and it's important for us to say like, look, I feel fear, but it'll be fine because it affirms for them that, oh, you can do things scared and be all right. Right. You know? And so that's why like, I'm really honest with my kids when I don't know an answer, I don't know how things will work out, but also let them know firmly I'm doing my best with the info I have and I'll make the best decisions I can and we'll be okay no matter what, because we are smart people who are making good choices, you know? So it's not always perfect, but no, we're doing our best. No, of course That's not. Enough. And so you, you said in the beginning that you are engaged and I want to talk to you I a do. little bit about that. Congratulations, <laughs> Nicole. I wanted, first I wanted to talk to you about your relationship with Josh. And now you had a T, you had a TV yeah. show and it was very open and I didn't, I, you know, in Canada, we don't get a lot yeah. of these shows. It's very sad to me because I'm like, yeah. we're sorry. It's not sad. Sometimes it's a good thing. Well, the shows are terrible. Why the heck we, can't we? We don't got some of the shows that, oh, that the U.S. has, Bless right? Canada. No, bless Canada. Like, honestly, enjoy the purity of your free health care and your loonies and toonies yeah. and your importance. Like, trust me, there's nothing wrong there. Just eat poutine and ignore it. <laughs> eat poutine yeah. and be, and be, be merry. Um, That's right. You do what you got to do. So, so you were, you, you're now divorced and you were you were married for 14 years I mean you were together for many years before you um, met your daughters and brought them into your home um and and this is by I I have to say I'm divorced as well and I'm like I I'm sure you've got so of course you've got a life that you had with this man so we're not here to talk about like the failure that's not a failure you said you had this marriage but I what I wanted to talk about was how you the deciding factor and the journey with Josh, and you share it very openly in the book about how you said at times you did not have enough space, you didn't have space in your marriage, your own home, your own life. You didn't have space mm-hmm. to rest or space to grow. You didn't have mm-hmm. space to not do. So that mm-hmm. kind of goes back to what you were saying before about the pleasing and um, rescuing, raising, <laughs> you felt like you were raising not only your three kids, but him yeah. too. Right. And, and also, yeah. but you and weren't being supported. Again, not a no, right. Not a negative. So I think that what's so interesting is particularly when you're a public figure in the case of breakups or any career pivots, even, or changing your hair or something, you know, people really feel like there's got to be a blame or a negativity with that. And it's totally. so interesting because as I've gotten older and I've met more people, it almost is never that, you know, it's, you know, and I don't hold my ex responsible for the decisions that I made within no. the marriage and the, space, the things I didn't communicate. I just needed different things, you know? And so when right. I say things like, you know, feeling like you, I didn't have space. It was because the person that I had trained myself to be in order to function within that household was one that did all the things all the time. And that also trained the people around me to get used to working in that capacity. And when the time came to sort of illustrate, I needed change and boundaries, the speed at which the response that was required was not at the rate that I needed it in order to be okay. You know, so you can say to your kids, you know, mommy really needs you to get potty trained because (laughs) mommy can't keep changing diapers anymore, you know, or whatever, you know, and they're still going to kind of go at the pace that works for them, you know? So even if mommy really needed it today, it may not arrive today, you know? And so my need 
for space was dictated by my health. I could feel my body breaking down and I knew immediately that I need to change today and the boundary that I would need to exert in order for that to happen on a starting point was physical. I needed, to, I needed to remove myself in order to be safe. And when I tell you how wildly unexpected it was, I thought I would be married forever. Yes. I plan on getting married once, especially because of both the, I, I've, there's so much I, I haven't communicated about in my marriage, you know, because of some of the things that I'd survived and gone through within my marriage, I was like, if I can do this, I can definitely stay married forever. You know, like, why not? But I didn't realize that there's a toll that happens on you physically you know, that you may not be able to escape, you know, and I talk about that in my book, the importance of recognizing that even if you think in your mind, you can push through, even if you think, you know, I can make burnout work for me. I can, even if you think that these things are true, your body is a finite being. It is designed to operate sort of outside of self, you know, like I don't will a cut to heal, you know, the same way that if my body is overstressed, it has a limit, you know, and eventually your mind is going to have to willingly make choices, including and up to divorce, if that is the thing that's required in order to make sure that you're able to show up and survive, you know, and, um, and, you know, by extension of that, also making sure I was being a good example for my girls, you know, and saying like, look, you know, they were in my home, you know, that they saw the mother that they deserve to have, you know, that they saw me being loved in a way that I deserve to be loved because they're all officially at the age now where they're starting to make a lot of those decisions for themselves. And I did not want them to be in a home that was not reflective of the life that I'd want them to have. It's not just about the life of the house, the cars, the school, the income, the, the accolades, you know, I wanted them to have the things that really matter because I had it all. And I left with three suitcases and that is pretty telling about where my values lie, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that is a big thing. I think a lot of moms can relate to. You were, you were honoring yourself, honoring your mm-hmm. children. And you talk a lot in your book about just how very, the most important thing is self-care. And because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, it's like putting on your own oxygen mask before you're, yeah. the, the people that you're taking care of, because if you're not okay, how could the people that you're taking care of be okay? That's right. And parenting evolves oh, too, it, it does. you know? So, I mean, when you have older kids, it's not the same as when they're younger, they can be perfectly great when they're younger because the things that they need are more checkboxy, you know, like make sure there's juice, make sure there's snack, make sure they have great education foundations. But I noticed once my youngest was starting to enter her preteens that her needs were different, you know, that it was, she was learning more from watching what we were doing and not just listening to what we were doing, you know, or what we're telling her. And that mattered to me a lot about the examples that she was getting, both from who I was in my household, but also examples from my interpersonal relationships. And it just became really important to me to prioritize making sure that she could get the best mom she deserved, you know, and that I could also put examples of love around her that I felt would affirm her own self-worth and what she deserves. So parenting looks different now. It's a lot about examples and practicing what you preach in a way that is so different than when I was younger, when it was just like, you know, go play with that Play-Doh over there. Yes. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, like, yeah. fine. Mom's crying. She's fine. Just go have that snack and watch a movie. You know, like, no, they're like, mom's crying. Why? You know, and you want to be able to to be in a position to articulate that healthily to them. Right. So can you tell us about your journey from going from your divorce to jumping into the dating world? 
and, and, and I don't know the story about how you met Alex because it wasn't part of your yeah, book and I know it was it on your podcast, but can you share with yeah. us how that happened? And- well, it's because this is your story, you know, like, I mean, I'm a few years out, you know, from everything, but I'm living it now. Right. So, uh, one of the things I'm really big on is I share my, um, my scars and not my scabs. So while I'm still healing, I try not to write about things until I kind of have a better view around what's happened. Oh, you I know? really so like that. Why you share your scars, not your scabs. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm in a place right now where I am still very much living this relationship. And so I, 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 I can speak on it what I know, you know, the early days, but you know, I'll know more, I think soon, and I'll be able to share more about that. But um, in the early days, you know, I can honestly say I took over a year to not do anything, you know. Um, But I think a lot of people, especially if you've been divorced before, you know that the time from separation and or divorce, the marriage was likely over long before that, just because you continue to reside with that person and be in that person's presence doesn't mean that you were married at all. You know, and also for me as a Christian, you know, there is the um, marriage of there's a reason why we have ceremonies versus just sign the paper, you know, Um, and I can tell you that, like, for me, my marriage was not in effect for a very long time. (laughs) You know what I mean? There were there were things there that weren't great. And so the time that I took apart was truly like healing of self, you know, and discovery of self. And I am just being completely forthright. I was like, I am good by myself. That was the thing I was seeking to recognize. And you kind of have to come to that when you, before you decide to get divorced, right. You know, because when you, when you decide to get divorced, you're already saying, I would rather be by myself than be in this. Yes. I would rather have nothing than be in this. I would rather, um, you know, potentially lose it all than be in this. And because I, where I am right now, I have to know that I physically, mentally, spiritually will be okay, <laughs> you know, because I feel like I'm losing so much of that. And I think anyone who's been through a bad breakup or a divorce is nodding their head ferociously because they understand because yeah. it's so easy to stay comfortable, you know, in what's familiar, you know? And so in that state, the year thereafter, you know, I was like, if I get to pick and choose what I bring into this next life, what do I really want? Like, do I, like in adult stuff, I got married at 22. So like, this is like my 40 year old self now saying, who am I? You know what I mean? What do I even, do I, do I even really, I mean, an example of this, Robin, a real small example that I, again, I think a lot of women who've been through this will relate to. Do I even like Mediterranean food? (laughs) Because I never while we were married because my, you know, me and my husband never ate it, but do I like it? You know, like you just start asking yourself questions that you never really held space to ask yourself before, you know, and you may come away saying, no, I really don't still, you know what I mean? But you're really asking yourself these questions because they are relevant questions, you know, like it's this weird thing. And so very much that's like where I was, you know, uh, for a long time. And that included, ask myself questions around, do I even like partnership? Do I even want to be a wife? Is like, you failed at this thing. Is wifing even for you, girl? You know, like, and if so, what does it look like? Right. And do I want to live with this? Do I want to live with somebody again? Like what? Share my my closet? I don't want to share. No. You know what I mean? Like it's so much of that. And so I'm telling you, like, I really was in a place where I was like, I don't even know if I want partnership. But then I started saying to myself, you know what, I do. One thing that's great for me in partnership is uh, the criticism and the check, right? 
it's so easy for me to just like, just steamroll and plow forward with my work. Like I would be in my office all day because I love my work and I'm passionate and I'm driven and I'm ambitious and having a home and a partner and a family grounds me. It yes, I, I appreciate me. that, Nicole. I think it's like you have you, know? you have others in your life and a partner, especially yes. if, they, if they were you know you're equal and you're like okay, you feel like you're being yes. supported. They're you're you're, yes. you're being held accountable. Somebody to hold. There's accountability. You yeah, you want to be home. Yes, like and that's what I'm learning now is that. I mean, you know, and people saw this, you know, I traveled a lot before, you know, I've worked a lot before it was, there was no secret that I was always on the go. And now, oh my gosh, the homebody that I am, everything is about wanting to come back. I did come home a lot because of my kids, but I was not happy relationship wise in my home. And now romantically, I want to be where my partner is. I'm happy at the office because I get to do the best work ever and I'm so grateful for it. I'm also happy at home. I'm happy in the car by myself. I'm happy at lunch by myself. Like, it's just so nice because I took that time to discover what I want. And my life is very intentionally built now around what what I want and how I want to show up and how I feel like I can serve the people I love, including my clients, my friends, my, my peers, my employees best. And that and my partner, you know, and that is like, that was some hard work, therapy, prayer, friends, everything, a lot of loss, a lot of tears, you know, but worth all the laughter on the back yes. end. Oh, that's beautiful. So, okay, quickly though, I wanted to ask you, how did you meet Alex? Were you online dating? Were you? Oh, yeah, online. online. Online, great. So like, uh, yeah, online, <laughs> it's where I met my first husband, you know, yes. and 50% of marriages start online now. People don't oh, realize oh, it. For sure. It's just how you... One of these days, I think I will um, probably talk about how I dated online because yes. I dated online what I've learned differently from a lot of my friends. I was very open-minded to not, once I realized I wanted partnership, but I also learned like through therapy and stuff that maybe my picker needs evolving. You know what I mean? Like how <laughs> my picker is, the picker like, is that's funny. You could say like off. your picker is, your picker is off. Your picker is broken, but. My picker is yeah. off. So I needed to date to figure out yes. what. I even liked, which was freeing because I wasn't dating, seeking a partner. I was dating, seeking friendships, learning experiences just to figure out where I wanted to be. And when I met this guy, this incredible, wonderful, like, I can't tell you how often I'm like, gosh, I can't even believe how good he is. Like when I met this man, I remember thinking to myself, one, I wasn't that interested. I was like, I don't know, but I was like, I'm feeling things I haven't felt before in terms of safety, understanding, um, emotional intelligence, security. Um, he's just, he doesn't come with trauma. I'm so blessed. I think I got the last one. You know what I mean? Like he is just really a good person. Like I, I would want to be his friend. And this is something his friends say, he has friendships of 30 plus years. People love him. I would want to be his friend if I wasn't fortunate enough to be his girl. Wow. And like that is, I'm like, I love I'm that. just, I'm I love that. We're gonna have to quote you on all that what you just said because I, I, I really know. think that no, those are those. <laughs> no, I really I love all of those things that you just said. Like the, 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 he has, he is a, such a great friend. You would choose him as a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you felt really safe. That's so important. Oh, so safe. And you just felt every day I feel comfortable and yeah, supported and loved. I think it's just beautiful. Okay. So tell me about um, how in your business as well as just in your book you talk about identifying your gift and helping and and just how it's important for all of us to identify our gifts. 
And you say, when you go out into the world, you're supposed to be as big as possible to take up as much space as possible with your God-given gifts. The best way to mm -hmm. honor honor God, if you believe in God, or just, you know, your life, is to use your gifts well to serve others. So right. I want to ask, and I know you do this professionally as well with your company and just, um, and just with all the work you're doing, how do people, how do we identify our gifts? So I think the first thing is I'm a really, and I've evolved into this, I've really evolved away from, you know, the languaging of find your purpose, you yeah. know, as if purpose is the destination. Right. Well, that's really scary and dangerous because it kind of makes it seem like, well, what are we doing until then? Right. <laughs> right. right. Like, like, what am I doing? Is it worthwhile? Like, what am I doing if I'm not in my purpose? And that can be so pressure filled and, yes. uh, and I just don't love and what it. If, you know? and, and a lot and of people so are like, don't know. Oh God. Well then what's my purpose? And like, and they're endlessly searching for their purpose. That it's like some like thing that's in the universe that you can't like quite grasp. Right. You're going to find like, you're going to land on it miraculously someday. And it just it doesn't work like that, you know? And it's, it's the truth is in my experience. So thus far, you know, it's that purpose is where you are in the moment, you know, and your gifts are the thing that are helping you navigate that moment. So, you know, if, if in the moment you are stay at home with your kids, you know, because that is what the season is calling for, uh, that is a really important purpose, yes. you know, and the gifts that you're leveraging and using to navigate in that moment, whether it is organization, uh, patience, research, advocacy, because, you know, if you have children with all sorts of, you know, special situations, you've got to advocate for them. You know, all of these different things are, um, really powerful talents that will serve you later and whatever purpose you're in now is evolving them and growing them. And your sole job in that season is to acknowledge and give yourself credit for leveraging and using those talents to navigate the season you're in. And, um, and then also seek out additional knowledge to expand and amplify those gifts. And so, uh, yes, that also applies in business. You know, I think that I've not, I think I know I've never met a single entrepreneur who's ever had one job right. or one idea right? You know? and have this world where it's like, oh, you're multi-passionate. You go from this thing to this thing. You have too many great ideas. Everybody does. Every entrepreneur does. The question is, how long are you spending in that season evolving the idea and pouring into it to see it become what it needs to be fully and leveraging and utilizing all your gifts to see that thing blossom. And, um, you know, I have evolved, you know, I was a hardcore intense business consultant, uh, specializing in business development in a corporate capacity. I still do that work, but it isn't all that I am because I've evolved in my learning and lessons to realize that I can help people in more ways with what I have. And so I've been leaning into that. So, just like writing this book, it wasn't a clear cut business book. It could have been one, two, three, do this, this, this. I evolved, you know? So in this season, this is my purpose to helping people live boldly because it's the thing before the thing, you know, yes. it's the thing before the next thing you want to do. So, right. uh, so yeah, it's, you know, it's easy to say, live in your God given gifts and chase your purpose. But the truth is like, wherever you are right now, identify your gifts by saying, what is helping me get through this season? That's your gifting. Now, now make it better. Wow. I that's so good. The other, um, the other thing you talk about is, and this and this was a story that you relayed about Dea, your daughter in school, and how um, it's like this fallacy of intelligence. And I think this is so in our society, right? It's like if you're not getting A's, or and or let's just say you don't go to university, then you you're really not that smart. And I think that is like so 
it's so incorrect. It's so false. Right. Mm-hmm. I think about my dad who finished grade eight and he was the most yeah. successful person I've ever met. And you, you, yeah. you share how you went to university for, I think it was three years, three and a half years. years. And then you're like, mm-hmm. I, I can't go back. I mean, what am I doing? No. why am I here? <laughs> in the meantime, you've got this super successful career yeah. you're, you're harness, you've harnessing yeah. and you're like growing and it's like, yeah. but you had this this fallacy of intelligence of like, I have to do this. And I love the story mm-hmm. of how your daughter went, she, she started applying herself and she went from an F to a C and she was still just mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, mom, like what? I, I'm not only at a C and you're like, are you kidding me right now? We have to celebrate. Yeah. You went from an F to a C and yeah. you like, cause you've been yeah. applying yours. Like you've been putting yes, the A you effort. Know? Oh, C that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what we want to celebrate. So just real time, my little one is 12 now and she brought home her first progress report because she's in middle school. Uh, you know, so in middle school, you get like real grades, you know, kind of in elementary school. It's like, yeah, you know, she's not eating the markers, you know, yeah. improvement, she's efficient, like yeah. improvement yeah. efficient, that whole thing. But now she's getting real grades. And it was so interesting because she got an excellent report, you know, lots of A's, lots of B's, you know, all that good stuff. And um, I could tell she was really proud of her grades and I didn't want to take that from her. So, you know, I spent time saying to her, you know, this is excellent. It really shows your understanding of the things that they're teaching you, you know, and I'm really proud because it also shows your effort in turning back and communicating the responses. But I also want to let you know that even if these weren't your grades, I would still love you and think you're like the greatest thing in the world, you know, because your grades aren't everything that you are. You are so many other things. Can we talk about a couple of things that you are outside of these grades? And we spent some time just talking about that. She's like, I'm a good friend. I do great dishes. I have fun hairstyles. And I was like, absolutely. You know, so know that this is one piece of who you are and I'm so proud of it. But if this piece ever changes, it doesn't take away from these other things. And the reason I did that is one, if you read my book, because of my childhood, <laughs> you know, because, you know, so much weight was put on, you know, grades, you know, and rightfully so understanding. So especially being immigrants and realizing, look, you got to navigate this world in this game, like you got to pull out big grades. But part of the blessing of being financially well off and part of the blessing of, you know, having survived that childhood is that I don't, I get to tell my kids like, look, like your grades aren't everything. And if you decide you want to be an entrepreneur, we're going to do that. You're not going to escape having to do the work. You're not going to escape having work ethic and the skills, but you know, there's no work ethic bullet point on your report card. So I want you to be that person and develop that skill and get accolades for it, even if it isn't reflected on this piece of paper that is arbitrarily decided by a human wherever, you know? So she doesn't get a pass on getting her grades, but we don't let her think that that's everything she is, you know, because it's not all that we are. I I think it's also just this idea that you don't, if you, if you're not a straight A student in school, if you're, if you didn't, if you didn't like find it, you found it so, so challenging and you leave school, that doesn't mean you're not smart. And, uh, you know, because there's like some of the smartest people I know didn't do great in school, but they're brilliant individuals. They're brilliant people. Like their minds are so smart, right? (laughs) Most entrepreneurs didn't go to school. And also school is not, um, and this is not knocking it. I mean, like, my goodness, what it takes to get through school is such a great thing about character. It's a, it's a skill set. It's a talent, you know, and just everyone has different talents. And some of us are not professional schoolers. You know what I mean? That's just not how we are hardwired, you know? And, um, and what I can tell you is that a lot of the people I've met who are entrepreneurs, 
and people who want to be entrepreneurs feel like they've been ill-served by the fact that school doesn't really raise entrepreneurs, that it's not teaching adaptability. It's not teaching some of the skill sets that are required to be successful. You know, some of these soft skills, some of this adaptability, some of this flexibility, it's, it's a structure. Now that structure is so valuable because I meet entrepreneurs who don't have that structure and they're not successful, you know? So it really is a balance. If you're in school long enough to garner the things you need, then to pursue what you want to pursue, that's what matters most, yeah. you know, is putting in the right amount of time. And uh, so many of us will continue to get degrees thinking that that will make us feel ready. When in reality, you were you were ready a long time ago and you got to start doing. Right. Well, I have just so um, enjoyed learning from you, listening to your book, talking to you today. I hope everybody gets a copy of Nothing is Missing and, and reads it because um, I was just saying to Maya, my colleague, that... And my friend, my Kirsten that works with me too, I was like, I love this because this is, um, it was, a, it's like a self-improvement book. Um, it's a nonfiction. It's your story though. And you're, we're learning as we, we learn about you. So that was, there was just, like I said, full of, full of lessons. So thank you thank for writing you. this book, thank Nicole. I thought it was fantastic. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for having me here. And it was just such a great time. Thank you. Well, I'm going to close with a blessing. We do this on all podcasts. And, and, and these are with your, your, your words from the book. So I'm going to be quoting you through this blessing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Awesome. So, may we find happy in each season and keep moving forward, knowing that what we have within us is always enough. May we identify our individual gifts take up space in the world, and share our gifts with those around us. And in your words, Nicole, we all have what we need to heal, to grow, to change, and to thrive. May we remember that nothing is missing. So thank you, Nicole. Thank you. <laughs> Please visit realloveready.com to become a member of our community. Submit your relationship questions for our podcast experts at reallovereadypodcast at gmail.com. We read everything you send. Be sure to rate and review this podcast. Your feedback helps us get you the relationship advice and guidance you need. The Real Love Ready Podcast is recorded and edited by Maya Anstey. Transcriptions by otter.ai and edited by Maya Anstey. We at Real Love Ready acknowledge and express gratitude for the Coast Salish people the stewards of the land on which we work and play, and encourage everyone listening to take a moment to acknowledge and express gratitude for those that have stewarded and continue to steward the land that you live on as well.